Well, hello, gorgeous one. Welcome to Bombshell Radio. Here, we combine pleasure and purpose to liberate women into their divine assignment of being the fullest expression of fierce femininity. My name is Jackie Lacroix. I believe that pleasure is a life force. Beauty is for you, and your sexual design is the key to your greatest fulfillment and calling. I'm the author of the best-selling book, The Bombshell Manifesto, and I've mentored women in body, beauty, business, and intimacy with God, themselves, and men for over 10 years. Each week, you'll receive a different edition of Bombshell Radio, focusing on one of these areas, all designed to inspire you and help you optimize every area of your feminine design so that you can live your biggest, most beautiful life. If you've been longing for a place where you can merge your spirituality and your sexuality and enter a conversation that honors your body, your beauty, your business savvy, and your faith, welcome home. Let's get started. Hello everyone, Barbie Joe here and welcome to another episode of Don't Get Lost in the Laundry. Today I have a very special guest, Jackie Lacroix, and she is an intimacy expert. So we are going to ask her all the things you have wanted to know, but have been afraid to ask out loud. She <laughs> has the answers for us. So welcome, Jackie. Tell us a little bit about your backstory and how you got to be an intimacy expert. Hello, ladies. Hi, Barbie Joe. I'm so excited to be here. I'm happy to. So I grew up in a Christian home, um, was incredibly blessed to have a mother who was confident and open about sex, which helped me so much. And I will talk more about that, I'm sure, because I find that that's one of the biggest things that um, women struggle with and that why they kind of arrive at difficulties with intimacy. But uh, be- in spite of that, I didn't date really until after college at all, in fact. And, um, and then after college, I started working at a large church and I was helping run the young adult ministry. So 20s and 30s, single and married. And part of my job was to meet up with the young women, 20s and 30s, and just grab coffee with them, find out what's going on in their life. What are they struggling with? And inevitably, the same topics of body image and dating and worries about sex and wrestling with the theology of it all and the practicality of it all and trying to figure out men and women and you know what they even wanted and what their role was. And so it was obviously the place I was in at that time in my life as well. And I started looking for answers. And the church I was working at at the time was very boldly teaching about sexuality because of some legal things they were going through. And so we had access to incredible resources. They allowed me to go to some seminary courses on this. Uh, They brought in guest speakers. And so there was just this incredible influx of looking at what is the design that works best for sex. And this was, of course, from a Christian perspective. And so I became so passionate about it, not only because I saw how many young women were struggling with it, but because I saw how many of the older women were still struggling with it and struggled to then speak into the lives of the younger women without their own wounding, their own bitterness, their own resentment, and all of the kind of platitudes and stereotypes that we often fall into around men and women um, and, and sex. And so 
I thought there has to be a better way to do this. And when I then moved from that area later on, I started a coaching business. And to be honest with you, I was terrified to talk about sex in my coaching business for quite a few years. And so I began with the more kosher topics of body image and you know wellness, getting in better shape, et cetera. But behind the scenes, women were always still asking me about sex. And finally, I launched something called the O-Class, um, O for orgasm. And, um, and it was like devoured by these women who were looking for something that fit their faith, that honored the fact that they wanted to do this in a godly way. And yet no one in the church was openly talking about it from a practical sense and certainly not a more theological sense of why does this matter? Why is this important for women? Why is this good and holy and not wrong or bad or sinful? And, um, and from there, that has been really the, the thrust, if you will, of my coaching business. Um, and it's, it's just something I feel is a calling. That is so cool. And such an important topic that is not touched on often enough in a healthy way. Yes. So I applaud your work. I am so excited to be sharing this with my audience today. I can't even tell you. So I want to give you a little, um, I'll give you a little precept of what my world has encompassed around sex. So growing up in the church, we, we believed in saving ourselves for marriage, right? So sex was bad up until you got married, right? Yep. And then it's good. (laughs) Yes. Then all of a sudden it's good. So you're making this, this adjustment, this transition, like overnight, and you're feeling guilty. You're feeling like dirty and wrong. I know it was a struggle for my husband, especially. And then, okay, we got over that hurdle. And then it was, if we're not having sex every night, something's wrong with the marriage, right? Mm. Something's wrong with us. We are broken. I remember the first night we didn't have sex as newlyweds. And I cried. I was like, we're going, we're not going to make it. Our marriage is already (laughs) suffering. I was so upset. So I had this false idea of what sex meant in a relationship. And then fast forward 20 years into marriage and it's now almost a duty. Like it's Mm. not something that is looked forward to. It's just your wifely duty. So I want you to help us reframe (laughs) each phase of life here. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. So um, absolutely was raised with the same mindset, deeply believe that that is the ideal space for sex is within marriage. I'd say that I have shifted my priority as I coach women who are unmarried to make sure that they are getting into healthy relationships. And I'm not as hardcore of their timeline as I am of the man they select. Because one of the things I've seen, unfortunately, is that particularly in religious environments and not even just Christianity, but women will, um, will try to make it to the finish line, if you will, of not having sex before marriage. And in so doing, they overlook red flags in the man himself in order to get to the altar. And then the number of stories of profound regret, abuse, et cetera, that I have heard are horrific. So I've shifted a little bit how I help women who are single. And I definitely still think that marriage is where sex belongs, but I am no judge of anybody who takes her time and and (laughs) makes different decisions. But I know that flip of the switch well. And so many women have come to me, whether they waited for marriage or not, and said, 
sex felt very dirty, whether she had it or not before marriage, it was bad. You're a bad girl. We're not supposed to make the men stumble, all of this kind of stuff. And then I got married and boom, I'm supposed to be this sex kitten. And this is like the best thing ever. And I'm supposed to understand how everything works and et cetera. And then I love what you said of like, if sex isn't basically constant or amazing, oh my gosh, we failed and our marriage is doomed. And um, I've heard far worse stories than that of women where, especially if they waited for the wedding night, the wedding night was a little bit of a disaster sometimes because they weren't prepared. Um, they didn't know their body. They didn't understand or have anyone prepare them or coach them through the intense feeling of vulnerability and openness and being seen. And particularly if it's a woman who's not very confident in her physical body, sometimes even if it is, but especially if not, and most of us have some body insecurities, then being totally open to a man and having all of this pressure of like, and now we are husband and wife and this should be flawless. Like, and sometimes women aren't even able to, you know, or there's a, a joint problem with the guy as well. They're not even able to consummate the marriage on the wedding night. And then that starts a story in the woman's mind of, I must be flawed. I must not like be a good woman or work as a woman. Um, you know, God is mad at me somehow, et cetera. And so that's kind of the newlywed phase. You're talking about like stages here. Mm -hmm. And I work with a lot of women around kind of crafting a beautiful wedding night, which sounds crazy, but people spend so much time and money on the wedding itself. And then they get to the night and it's like, now what do we do? You know, so um, knowing your body, knowing what you want, knowing how to communicate it, setting your expectations reasonably, having all of the supplies on hand um, to create something beautiful. And then as you head into the newlywed, Yes, generally, frequently, that's when most people have the most sex of their marriage in the kind of standard stereotypical marriage. That's not what I prefer. That's not what I kind of try to lead women toward, but that's common. Um, and from there, it's kind of like it becomes a duty after a while. And especially if children come into the mix, one that can really change your schedule. It can really change your priorities. It can change your body. It can change the way you see your body. It can change literally the physical sexual experience. It can change the way he sees you, the way you see yourself. So um, I think the descent into duty, if you will, is super common. And especially, especially for Christian women, but more and more I'm recognizing that it's, it's across the board. And this is something that women in long-term committed relationships and marriages often um, kind of just assume is how it is, you know? So it's not even that it happens, it's that we accept it. So what I try to help women recognize is to step out of this mindset that sex is for men. To me, that is one of the most damaging and scripturally inaccurate beliefs we can have. Um, I've scoured the Bible looking for it. I see a lot of verses to the contrary. I see certainly verses you can spin and try to create that, but um, by and large, it's not in there. And when you look at the medical studies, the female sex drive outside of kind of the confines of culture and civilization is a wild and raging beast. So um, I try to, to help women understand that sex is not for men. And from there, we can create a completely different experience. Uh, where were you 20 years ago? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so this is gold. This is absolute gold. Okay. So tell us, let's go through the three stages of life really quick again and give us yep. your top tip for mm, each so stage. Oh, I would say for all of them, first of all, even if you can't quite believe me, even if you think this chick in this sequence is, is whack and like, she clearly is a 
some kind of, you know, anomaly. Um, under, just, just suspend your disbelief. Maybe it's possible that you were created to enjoy sex as much as men. Okay. So that's for all three stages, but for the newlywed stage, I would say prepare like that wedding night stage into newlyweds. Like women have different beliefs and different degrees of comfort with getting to know their bodies before they're sexually active and getting to know what's down there and what they enjoy and what they're not okay with. But um, I think walking into a wedding night completely naive as maybe romantic as it might sound is not an empowered state. So I would say, learn about female sexuality, learn about your body, um, anything you can do to build your confidence in your body, to have that be based in something that is not purely a physical appearance, but in a respect for what your body is capable of as a woman. It's sometimes difficult to create that when you're young, simply because maybe you haven't had children yet, you haven't seen the unbelievable capacity of your female body, but anything you can do to get your head and your body in the right space is what I would advise to newlyweds and heading into marriage. Um, the kid phase, if you will, I feel like that's probably the second zone. To me, and I know that there are many studies that back this up, the, the number one thing that helps children is being in a healthy emotional environment, right? Feeling kind of that there isn't tension between mom and dad. Obviously, if there's any kind of presence of abuse or anything like that, then that has to be addressed. But um, parents that love each other, that are openly affectionate, where there isn't kind of this unspoken, especially I think as the children get older and become more aware of it. But even when they're young, that, that environment of resentment is, is kind of an energy that kids can pick up on. And so even though it's tempting as a mom, very tempting and built in, and sometimes feels very necessary to put the children first always, prioritizing your marriage and even your married sex life um, is going to bless your children more than you recognize, more than you realize. And obviously there's a lot of ways to like practically do that. So that's the philosophy tip, practical tips we can get into later if you want. Um, I know it's not very helpful to have a, a change in philosophy without practices. And then as you head into kind of the next stage of your life where your kids are growing up or they're even leaving the house, that's when most couples feel this kind of disconnect of like, who are you again? You know, now that we're done with discussing the logistics of shuttling children all over the place and figuring out their schedules, reconnecting sexually is again, a priority, but I think possibly more than ever at that stage, recognizing that it's for you. Um, I think that may be when couples drift apart more than ever. The baby stage is intense, it's stressful, et cetera, but it can create a precedent in which the couple isn't connecting. And then when the kids are not really, not really an excuse anymore, if you will, that precedent is set. And so the sex is way less frequent. Maybe they're sleeping in separate rooms. Maybe, you know, they just kind of live separate lives, but technically in the same home. Um, sex is an incredible way to reconnect. But if there has been bitterness or resentment or even just emotional distance that's built up over that baby rearing phase, it can be a little bit of a block for women to say, oh, I really want to sexually reconnect with this man I don't feel close to. And that's when I think the best tip is to recognize that this is for you. Like it's so good for your physical health, your relational health, obviously your emotional health, your spiritual health is certainly what I teach. Like tapping into your own sex drive and certainly regularly reaching a climax is, I mean, the way it manages your stress hormones. Like there's so much goodness in this act for you. And I think when you're trying to overcome emotional distance or even resentment or bitterness, 
beginning with the attitude of, well, I'm going to do it for me and he's welcome to join. And then before you know it, the emotional connection has returned and it's a lot easier to rebuild closeness from there. Interesting. Okay. Cause I was going to ask what would be a good reset then? So you would suggest just go into it for you. That is my number one recommendation because otherwise, um, and I will provide your listeners with a link to a training I do on this free training where it, it seems bizarre. You know, we are taught, like you're saying, wifely duty. You do this for him. You serve others first. You prioritize other people's needs. But if you think about sex, I mean, think about a woman who's laying there feeling obligated, going through the motions. You know, he thanks her when she's done or he's done because she probably didn't even come and she gets up and she returns to the chores, right? Versus a woman who prioritizes her own pleasure in the experience, has the time of her life. And he feels like, I'm a freaking stud, you know? And so like, it sounds counterintuitive, but when we focus on this for ourselves, yes, it helps us overcome barriers of resentment, perhaps, or bitterness, but it also just rejuvenates the entire relationship. And then you're not dependent on his perfect behavior. He doesn't have to have romance to, he doesn't have to have done every chore before you asked. It's not a barrier, which frequently it can become. That is so good. And such a shift in the mind. Huge shift. Huge yeah. Shift. yeah. Yeah. I have not even considered going into it as this is something I want that I'm going to take yeah. or myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even if you're upset with them, you know, I think a lot of people, sex is like off the table when there's tension, but as silly as it may sound to look at your husband and be like, well, at least you got something. Let's go to bed. You know what I mean? And, and rebuild from there <laughs> when you feel like this guy's driving me nuts. Because there's always a release of oxytocin after sex. You're always going to have an ability, unless there's truly issues in the marriage that need to be addressed through counseling or something serious. Um, generally, the little everyday occurrences that, that distance us, the emotional connection when all of those hormones flood you after sex together is a phenomenal and very important time of rebuilding. Okay, so I have a question. I have a friend who would have a very intense connection after intimacy with her husband. And then the next morning or the next interaction they would have was typically negative because mm. he tends to be emotionally abusive. And that would oh sent her into just a spiral down and, you know, start to put a wall up immediately. She would be mm. so intensely hurt. I think because yep. she was so intensely uh, connected if that makes sense. Yes. Yes. Oh, what a good question. I'm so glad you asked that. So um, one of the things I think that the church is learning better to handle is how to process abuse situations. And to me, the, the big defining point is, is there repentance? Is there change or is there not? Um, so I would say, first of all, that that's a whole separate issue that I hope she can find help looking at well. It's unbelievably difficult to navigate, I know. Um, and if I don't know if she's a believer or religious in any way, but the number one thing before I get to the sex part um, that I would suggest to her or to anyone in that situation is to start to actively pray for deliverance and then to leave it up to God what he wants to do. So deliverance can mean a change in the spouse's behavior. I mean, God can do remarkable things. He can bring in situations. He can bring in people. He can whatever, drop ideas in her head or his head, or 
you know, opening the path to exit safely if it is going to escalate and clearly not resolve in a healthy way. So um, the only, I mean, there's so much advice out there. You'll find women who are like, leave him the second he, you know, doesn't wash the dishes. And then you'll find people who are like, it's your duty to stay, even if he's beating you and your children, you know? Um, and only God knows, only God knows, only God knows what that man's heart is, is where it is, if it's going to change, if it's not. And so I think more than ever a prayer life in that situation is critical, but from a sexual perspective. So I was a little bit cheeky earlier and was like, you're going to do it for you and you're going to enjoy it. And Hey, at least he's got, you know, something to work with in the bedroom. But, um, the reality of this is for women who are spiritual or believers, Christians, especially, this was a gift to us from God at creation. So when there's, even when there's not, but especially when there's difficulties in the marriage, however, you know, mild or severe, being able to receive your sexuality as a gift from God, to me, and in my mind, almost creates a shield in which you're able to enjoy this experience in your marriage and it's healthy and it's healing and it's et cetera. But it's like the bonding is very important, but if there's some kind of misuse or mistreatment or abuse happening in the marriage, understanding that sex is first and foremost between you and God, and then a man is coming in to participate in it with you. So in this training that I will have you guys watch, if you would choose to, I actually have a diagram where I'm showing that God created man and woman. This is Christian belief. But, and then from there, we all have our responsibilities and talents and gifts and assignments and all of that thing. But somehow in Christian culture, we've rerouted sex through the man. Like God gave sex only to men and then gave women to men for men to sexually enjoy. You know, we've kind of forfeited this gift. So when you recognize again, that this is from God, that God said it was good. He said it was very good. And he gave it to us to master. Then you're not beholden to being so bonded and attached to a man because of great sex, which is a fantastic thing in most circumstances. Um, but if there is mistreatment, it's almost like, it's almost like even closer to you in your sexuality than your man is God. Does that make sense? It's like, and from there, you almost have like a little bit of a, an emotional buffer. Yes, it may still feel like a distance, but if there's some kind of abuse going on, like there's, there's gonna be a distance, you know, something has to be addressed. Um, and when you bring God in so closely into an area where we're often very scared to even mention to God, we're often scared to pray about our sex life. We're certainly scared to bring it up in church. And um, it, it's kind of like, it becomes something where you still feel safe, even if the situation around you needs to be addressed in some way. Does that make sense? It's a complex as soon as there's mistreatment that isn't changing. And I, I, my heart is with her for right, sure. Right. No, that is a lot of food for thought. That's really good. Yeah. Good perspective. Um, no, I appreciate that. And I have to laugh when you say, you know, we don't mention sex in church. We didn't even mention it <laughs> in our household. Like it was a four letter yeah. word, right? Yeah. It was something we did not discuss. I remember asking my mom about sex and she handed me the encyclopedia. She's oh, like, here, <laughs> look it up. Here you go. Some more under S. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and I know, I know though, that this has also been a cause for other people, um, that are left to find their own answers and it leads them yeah. down a dark path 
of addiction and pornography and just unhealthy information. So what is your advice to keeping the the conversation open with your children Mm. and, you know, just healthy in the home? Oh, that's such a good question. Yes. So I've worked with all kinds of women. I've worked with women who they and their husband both saved their first kiss till their wedding day. And I've worked with women who have been strippers who have had, you know, five (laughs) husbands and and all of the things. And um, by and large, there's very few exceptions. I literally cannot think of any in the hundreds of women that I've talked to. But the number one kind of through common theme is that their mother never talked to them about sex or their mom wasn't comfortable talking with them about sex, Um, which is why I'm so grateful to my sweet mom. God bless her. But um, I think understanding that like first just go ahead and like swallow that because I've I've met women who are like oh I don't want you know I don't want to talk about sex in front of my 16 year old daughter I don't want her thinking about that yet and it's like (laughs) okay too late so it's way too late and in fact even at the church where I worked they did a great job having sermon series on sexuality that were beautifully biblically based and, um, and one family with two, I think, 11-year-old-ish boys stormed out and wrote an angry letter that they couldn't believe that was brought up, et cetera. So you can see why, among, among many reasons, churches are afraid to go there. But um, I think just as a parent first realizing, like, even right now, even during COVID, even if you're homeschooling, et cetera, my gosh, your kids are now on the internet with permission from their schools more than ever before. Um, they are going to hear about it. They probably already have. And don't freak out, right? Because they're not dumb, you know? And, and kids, like, to me, kids are small humans. Like, no kidding. Kids are small adults. And they want a place where they feel accepted, where they feel not judged, where they feel like they can ask and not be shamed. So I think the first thing to do as a parent is to check in with yourself. Is my reaction relation with sex around judgment, around shame, around fear, around anger? And to start first slowly unpacking that. You don't have to get to perfection or even close, but just kind of start working on your own relationship with this whole area. If it's something you're terrified of or angry at or bitter or resentment toward, your kids are going to sense that and they're going to think it's not safe to go to mom and ask because she's going to get mad. She's not going to want to talk about it. So I'm going to go ask my friend. I'm going to look it up online. I'm going to, you know, infer things from what I see on TV or hear in music. Um, So first to start unpacking it yourself. And then... You know, I think so many parents freak out about like the talk. And I think obviously at a certain teenage age, you might want to have one. But as your kids are growing up, I think it's sufficient for starters, at least, to just um, like if you are mentioning sex with your spouse, you don't have to be talking about your sex life. But if a joke comes up and it's about mommy and daddy are in the bedroom and the door's locked, you know, not right now. And it's like there's laughter, there's play, there's fun. It's something where you're not sharing details. You're not getting into the ins and outs, but you're like you're creating an atmosphere of, oh, mom would talk about this. Like, this is OK. You know, if I have a question, I could go and she wouldn't bite my head off. Um, and you're just fostering an energy of joy and peace and openness and like basically safety. I mean, at the end of the day, sex is all about safety. We think excitement, we think all these things, but like sex is being known and being loved and being seen and being held and safe in that. In the same way, when we have questions about sex, what we most long for is safety. So feeling like this is a safe topic to bring up to mom without her freaking out with her own, you know, reactions to it. I think that that's where you begin. And then if a kid feels safe, usually they will come to you 
with everything, with what's going on in their life, with the boy they like, with what they just heard that their girlfriend did, with, you know, their real questions. And so I think that that's the place to start. Wow. That's so good. That's so good. I, I have to admit, I dove in to the O class and I have been like (laughs) devouring this information. And I have to tell you, like, lesson one module one just on the anatomy of a woman was like mind-blowing to me and I was like that's what holy I always cow hear. holy cow yeah. I had no idea and I was a dance major required to take anatomy 101 in college I yeah. took that course I could tell you all the Latin <laughs> terminology of the body and I did not know that about the women's women's anatomy and what we yeah. have been blessed with yeah give it yeah indeed I know and so one we're not taught it right like I mean even kids in public school health class they're putting like condoms on bananas you know they're not taught what's helpful in my opinion to make educated sexual decisions um and 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 then from a, a church perspective this is from God I mean so frequently we're like well God created everything and Satan created sex but like no you know this is like the female body and all of its intricate design that you're now familiar with is a God creation. And to which he said, it's very good. So like to allow your mind to do its backflips of like, whoa, this is not only there, it's like authorized, you know, this is, this is a good thing, um, is, is life-changing, I think. But just to know that we possess this endowment, <laughs> right? Making You're me, in the shock of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, holy smokes. It's time to try this. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And just like to me, and you know, we hear the statistics of like one in four, even one in three women are sexually abused, sexually assaulted, sexually harassed. And those are the ones who report. Um, and we, you know, depending on your experiences, reporting can be a very scary thing to do and sometimes even punished in some ways. So women are often afraid to come forward. So those could be even higher in reality. So when we hear things like that, we just think, gosh, you know, the answer to life is to sexually shut down and protect. And, you know, if you think about sexual design, like the act of sex to women for women is to open, you are putting yourself in like the most vulnerable position you can of course we would fear potentially being harmed. So I think learning what you now know and going through this information is, is the beginning of taking a position of sexual empowerment, which I think can be like, shoot away. It's like, oh, that's really nice. We'll get the sexual empowerment when we can. But like, imagine a woman who is so grounded and so self-possessed in her sexuality. She doesn't allow herself to be mistreated. You know what I'm saying? I, I hear women in like the dating world and it's like, well, he pressured me to this and I thought I had to do this. And it's like, sweetheart, you know what I mean? Like when you understand who you are yeah, and you know how you're built, you don't take any of this. Yeah. You don't take any of this. For sure. You know? And yes. then to pass that attitude onto our daughters instead of, well, just, just don't get into situations where he could, you know, like, like it's a totally different way of holding yourself in your feminine body. And it radiates an energy, in my opinion, in my experience where men don't mess with you. You don't have a victim vibe sexually, you know? And so to pass that on to girls is so important. Well, I can't say enough good about what I've gone through so far in the O class. And I highly recommend it to anyone who has any questions about their sex life or we even want to take it 
to the next level and make it that much yeah. better. In fact, yeah. I was even thinking about um, putting my daughter through the class before she gets married. Yeah. That is something I'm considering doing is almost creating either, either a singles version or just like, heck with it, just jump in. Because as you'll see, as you go through it farther, we talk about pornography, we talk about body image, we talk about a lot of things that to me, if a woman has a kind of a, an understanding of these things before she goes into marriage, like she's set up for success. And so, yeah, I would, I'm so glad you're doing that. I wish everyone would. <laughs> well, tell us more, tell us where we can find you and where we can sign up for your free training or even your courses because yeah. everyone needs to. <laughs> I agree. It should be required sex ed. It, it should. <laughs> it's not like I'm a genius. This is years and years of research and like this has been my focus. So my free training is at bedroombombshell.com. It's um, just under an hour long. I take you through five very powerful shifts. We only did one or two of them today. So prepare to have your mind blown. Um, I would wear headphones, although it's no different from this conversation we've had here, but if you're at work or something, um, yeah, bedroombombshell.com is, um, even women who just watch the free training, they'll write me and they'll say, oh my gosh, just like you've said, like everything just shifted. It's like the, the glasses just came off and like, I see life now as, as a, a sexually aware woman. So, and then the O class from there, you'll be invited from the bedroom bombshell training to book a call to talk with me if you'd like to. And I'm happy to talk to you more about the O class, which is my baby. Um, it's a combination of eight weeks of training and lifetime group coaching. And the coolest thing about that is the community that has built up around it. So I very much prioritize confidentiality. Uh, and women are able to participate in the course and even in the group coaching calls in a totally anonymous way, which is very important to me. But a lot of the women really do feel safe in there because I protect it ferociously. And, um, and the, the, like the, I want to call it a bizarre combination of like praying for each other and talking about lube and toys. And it's a very unique environment. Um, and because they have lifetime access, they come back and we kind of live life together. Like they have another baby, their body's going through the nursing hormones and those, those libido issues or something else shifts and, and we're revisiting things. And it's a joy to me when women step out of fear in this area, reclaim what is rightfully theirs and to whatever extent they're comfortable with, you don't have to go out and talk about it on the internet like I do, but um, to to, to live this, like to be self-possessed sexually and understand that this was from God to you. And then allow that to permeate your marriage, your confidence, your love of your body and how you teach your children. It's, it's changing the world, in my opinion, this conversation. So thank you so much, Barbie Joe, for letting me share with your audience. No, I'm so grateful to you for sharing all this wisdom. And I am going to put all of this in the show notes. So everybody knows how to find you. Wonderful. Well, so great to chat with you ladies. And if I could leave you with just one encouragement, and this is from my personal belief, there's nothing that's too far gone. You know what I mean? Like women come to me and they've been abused or they've been raped or they've been all kinds of different things. There's no story in any way, but in the area I work in sexually, um, where God's like, Oh, well, you know, sorry about that. Like there's so much redemption possible in this area of our lives, both with our husbands and even just individually as a woman. Um, yeah. Don't ever feel like, Oh, 
it's, it could work for them, but not for me. There's so much healing to be had here. Oh, you're awesome. Thank you for being with us. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Today's episode is brought to you by the Bombshell Manifesto. The Bombshell Manifesto is a two-time number one best-selling book, and it's where I really teach the philosophy of the biblical bombshell. After spending years in ministry and now more years running my life coaching business, I see so many young women and even women well into their lives just floundering and kind of flopping around in some of the essential areas of God-created femininity, such as their relationship with God, their relationship with their bodies, their relationship with men, with sex, with beauty, with their finances. And I just don't think we have time for that. I think that we are called to do such big things for God while we're here. We've got to get these areas under control, locked on, so we can move forward toward our exciting assignments and massive callings in life. So in this book, I really give you the behind the scenes of my personal journey, struggling with what God was calling me to be as a woman going back and forth around the over-sexualized ideas of femininity or the completely asexual versions we often see in the church where we're not supposed to talk about that tough stuff. I lead you through the research and the history around the concept of a bombshell, a few personal visions and ideas I have around it, and then the scripture that God puts in front of us as how he wants us to understand the important role we play as women. Do you know that a woman was the way that the Savior came into the world and was the first evangelist of his resurrection and then ascension. This is a big deal, ladies. So hop over to bombshellmanifesto.com. Now you can find this book on Amazon, but if you go through bombshellmanifesto.com, I've got a couple extra fun free bonuses and ways that you can actually get free trainings and audios that take this whole concept deeper. We walk through the 12 pillars of a biblical bombshell addressing tough areas of life like opening to vulnerability and intimacy, understanding beauty and God's calling for it, getting deeper into our confidence and our security, committing to a relationship with God that blows our minds and more. What I see so much from women and hear from them, and quite frankly, I hear it from men who are looking for a woman to marry or they want their wife to come alive in the way they know that she can, is that there's some kind of tapped in femininity that is out there, that is possible, but that's incredibly difficult to find. Women long to be it, men long to find it, and this is the calling we have as women. This is what we're able and even asked to step into, required, I would say, to step into, to live out everything God has for us. But I see so many women who are stuck in mediocrity and are told that that kind of complacency is contentment and that's where they should stay and they should just be happy with it and, you know, that's life. I don't think that's what God's asking. I don't think that's what we're here to do. And I don't think we have any more time to waste. So join me over at bombshellmanifesto.com. Let's light this thing on fire. Let's get out into the world and do what we're supposed to do. Do what we can do. Be fully who God has called us to be. The bottom line is this. The entire world is obsessed with women, and they should be. That's the way it's designed. We are the ones who continue life, who continue the human race. We are always going to be attracting people's attention. We are always going to be shaping human beings, shaping culture, and pointing people towards something. The question is, what are we pointing them toward? Have we completely released and activated every area of our God-designed femininity to do those things well? I hope you'll join me. I think there's no more important calling on this earth as a woman 
than to live out her full God-given design and to use it to point people to Him. So let's get this thing started. Let's set ourselves free, let's set our families free, and let's light the world ablaze with the truth that is only in the gospel. I'll see you at bombshellmanifesto.com.